0: Hello and welcome back to the official podcast of the Irish Association of Speech and Language Therapists, the ISLT in conversation. I'm Andrea Horrigan, a member of the ISLT Pure Committee, and here with me today are Sarah Burns and Mary Scullion, who share the SLT manager position at Lucina Clinic, which is a child and adolescent mental health service of St John of God Community Services. As a society, mental health is a topic which is becoming more and more prevalent in recent headlines, particularly as we find ourselves dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic for nearly a year now. However, what many might not be aware of is the role that the speech and language therapist has in mental health, particularly in children's and adolescent mental health. And as we might know, Children's Mental Health Week took place this year from the 1st to the 7th of February, And so Mary and Sarah have kindly given up their time today to share their experiences and wealth of knowledge from working in this area. So thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having us. Thank
0: you. Not at all. It's our pleasure. So I suppose for those of us that might not know much about this area, would you like to give us a bit of background about Lucina Clinic and the work you're involved in?
2: We work at Lucina Clinic, uh, which is a child and adolescent mental health service uh, operated by St John of God Community Mental Health Services, which also provide services to adults in our Clunwara Centre. Lucina Clinic was established over 65 years ago and it was the first child and family centre in Ireland. So speech and language therapists have been part of the team since the 1970s, we reckon. Today, Lucina provides mental health services to a catchment of approximately 180,000 young people up to the age of 18 years of age, mainly from within CHO6, but also some who reside in CHO7. Geographically, we are spread from South Inner City Dublin to Carnew and Shillelagh in County Wicklow. Diagnostic assessment and therapeutic intervention are offered to children and young people who present with psychological difficulties or emerging mental health disorders. The nature of the presenting difficulties are in the moderate to severe range, causing substantial distress to the young person or their family and impacting on their life within several domains, such as home, school, peers. Examples of presentations seen include ADHD anxiety disorder or phobia including selective mutism autism spectrum disorder eating disorders low mood and depression obsessive compulsive disorder post-traumatic stress disorder psychosomatic disorder and psychotic illness
1: so in total we have eight teams and uh, that work uh, out of six locations uh, three in dublin rathgar Tala, and Dunleary and three in County Wicklow, and um, they're in Bray, Wicklow, and Arklow. Each of the multidisciplinary teams are made up of uh, consultant psychiatrists, and non-hospital doctors, uh, clinical psychologists, occupational therapists, speech and language therapists, social workers, social care workers, and nursing staff. And then some of the teams also have uh, some art therapy, family therapy, and play therapy. Within SLT, our department at the moment, we've 10.5 whole time equivalent staff. Uh, and we'd like to give a shout out uh, to our wonderful team, uh, Alana, Caroline, Callum, Deirdre, Geraldine, Geraldine, Harriet, Katie, Louise, and Nikki. I suppose communication and mental health and mental health disorder are intrinsically linked. Children and young people uh, with emotional and behavioral difficulties can often present with speech, language and communication difficulties. And that kind of co-occurrence has been estimated to be in the region of 80%. Um, which is very significant. And then likewise, uh, going the other direction, children and adolescents with language and communication impairments can experience significant uh, mental health difficulties, kind of stemming from you know their struggle to communicate and mm-hmm. to learn and to socialize. Um, so that kind of bi-directional relationship we often have to try and tease apart which is the chicken and which is the egg. Uh, And so SLTs are uniquely placed to work uh, with this population and alongside uh, the young people and their families.
0: Mm. I hadn't realized how broad of a service it was. I think you gave us a really good insight to that there. And how did you both get involved in working in this area then?
2: Yeah, I'll go first. Um, I was always very interested in the child psychiatry lectures in college, um, Mm -hmm. uh, third and fourth year, I think. I also had a placement with Mary Fanning in Ballymun Child and Family Centre in third year, which I loved. I did a locum post in a social services centre in Australia, which was really interesting and varied. And I would reckon that it was halfway between a primary care setting and CAMS. Um, In 1995, a long time ago, a post came up in Lucina i was successful at the interview and i have been here ever since for me
1: uh, like mary uh, um i studied at trinity and uh, i remember in my second year having a wobble about whether or not it was the right course for me Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out in my head like what else would i do and Also being terrified that my parents would kill me if I dropped out. (laughs) But I was sent uh, on a placement um, with another friend of mine, um, Amanda Wynne. We were sent to uh, the Child and Family Centre at Kloonwurra. Uh, and as it happens, that service is now part of Lucina Clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a St. John of God uh, service. And the um, supervisor at the time was Irene Walsh. And uh, she was inspirational. Uh, I remember that she didn't have any kind of fancy equipment or toys. She issued every child uh, with a copy book. And she had a a big pot of markers Uh, and she was able to kind of engage the children just with uh, those simple items. And and the other thing I remember about that placement was uh, she gave a presentation I suppose, was to the multidisciplinary team. I remember it was in the boardroom in Clumara and we were all sitting around the table. And again, there was no fancy audiovisual equipment that we have now. (laughs) She had a flip chart and and more of the markers. And she had started to do research into the area of pragmatics. And this was the late 1980s. And Mm. the field of pragmatics was just, um, I suppose, evolving. And I remember just thinking, yeah, this is, I'm interested in this. So I got my act together and I got to, for my final placement then, uh, I did that at Ballymun, the same as Mary, uh, with Mary Fanning. Uh, And that is now a part of uh, Dublin um, North uh, Camps. And then I started working for Lucina in 1997. Uh, And I've pretty much worked here since, uh, except for a couple of breaks. I suppose uh, at the beginning, for the early years, Mary and I were friends and colleagues. uh, And then the manager post came up and uh, we applied together as a package. uh, And we were appointed then in January 2006. And we have shared that role since. It was Irene Walsh actually who encouraged us to apply for that manager post. And by that stage, Irene was at, at Trinity and will be well known to a lot of you. And she has been a, a great mentor and a role model for Mary and I, uh, and a great support to us. I suppose in our profession, Uh, We have been very fortunate that there are certain people who have kind of led the profession and got Mm. us to the kind of modern place we are in now, an exciting place we're in. Uh, And those people were trailblazers. And I think in the area of mental health, uh, no one has played uh, a bigger
2: part than Irene Walsh. Uh, Mm. So thanks, Irene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from the outset, uh, when Sarah and I were successfully acquiring the manager post, we made it a priority to communicate freely with each other about any and every issue that arises. And this has stood us in good stead. We believe it is the secret to sharing our post. A social work colleague who has retired now used to all this counsel: pause, reflect and consult. And we try to live by this stage of vice.
0: And um, have you come across any challenges in sharing that position together then? Yeah, I I guess uh, as Mary's saying there, it is important
1: that we communicate with each other. That Mm. uh, we don't, one of us go and say to someone on our team that, you know, to approve something. And then the other one of us not to be happy about that. But then as Mary's saying, the beauty of that is it buys us time uh, to pause and reflect and consults mm. with each other and mm. um, so it, it, it's worked out uh, very well for us we think there's a lot more pros than cons
0: mm. yeah definitely and i think the fact that you've been in this position for so long is a credit to how much you like it anyway and like working together so i think that's yes. a great thing to see um, we're great friends to begin mm-hmm. with
1: and yeah. that has and uh, we have supported each other through picking pin over yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 yeah
0: Yeah, especially during COVID, you need that support structure there. So that's lovely to see. And I suppose the next thing that I'd like to talk to you about is what would be the most challenging part about your role then?
1: I suppose wearing my clinical hat, probably the most difficult part of our role is sometimes hearing very sad and tragic stories. It it can be hard at times to leave those stories behind you at work. You know, sometimes you, you carry them with you mm. and and some of the stories hit you harder than others and and maybe that's because of something that's happened in your own life and so it's really important that as colleagues uh, we all support each other and listen to each other and give each other time to debrief and um, after you know certain sessions then as was wearing the manager hat probably the biggest challenge is trying to provide the best possible service with a limited budget and manpower, and not just at Lucina, but I think all around the country, CAMS teams struggle with having to manage uh, greater demands with inadequate resources. Mm. Um, Over the last number of years, we have really seen a dramatic rise in the number of adolescents presenting to us um, and with increased risk. So as a result of that, there's been an increase in the number of emergency assessments that teams have to carry out. And there's been an increase in numbers of young people presenting with conditions like deliberate self-harm, suicidal ideation, eating disorders, psychosis, and all of those increase with age. Hmm. So then that increase in referrals has had an impact on team functioning, on waiting lists, on the need for access to inpatient beds. And there's always a shortage of them and the resulting budgetary pressures. Now, in fairness, since the early 2000s, there has been um, quite a big increase in the number of CAMS teams nationally. Teams were set up and existing teams were fleshed out. But unfortunately, um, there seems to have been like a chronic shortage of uh, psychiatric medical staff and so many posts go on fills and in our own area of SLT while there has been without question there has been an increase in numbers uh, we remain hugely under resourced at approximately 40 percent of the recommended number so that kind of disparity between demand and capacity causes frustration on teams and actually mm-hmm. Ema Ryan uh, did a study uh, into this and that was published in 2018 and her, her study did get some coverage uh, in the media which is great
2: mm. yeah another challenge Andrea for us is the lack of an SLT service for your teenagers transitioning into adult mental health services. Our SLT department does not have an equivalent in the St John God adult mental health services. And there is a well proven prevalence of communication and swallowing impairments among adults with mental health disorders studied in the Irish context. Over 80% of patients with mental health disorders screened in an Irish study demonstrated difficulties with understanding and expressing spoken language by 60% also presented with a spoken discourse communication impairment. In addition, almost one-third screened exhibited symptoms of swallowing disorders, and that was Walsh, Regan, Simon, Parsons and McKay in 2007. Mm -hmm. Nationally, there are just four SLTs working in the adult mental health services in Ireland, compared to 135 OTs working in the adult mental health services. The discrepancy between um, SLT staffing for child adolescent, and adult mental health services is inequitable and poses challenges to vulnerable young adults and their families transitioning from CAMS. Mm
0: -hmm. And on the contrary to that, then, what would be the most rewarding element of your role?
2: So clinically, the most rewarding part of our job is when a young person makes progress and you feel that you have made a difference. And more than any other speech and language therapist working in any other setting. In our manager's role, the best part is when you get to give somebody good news. For mm-hmm. example, calling someone to let them know that they have been successful at interview and you are offering them a post. Another very rewarding part of our job is when a project or initiative gets the green light or is funded.
1: An example of an initiative at our department has been a program called uh, Secret Agent Society or SAS. SAS is, like it's an innovative program for children aged between eight and 12 years that have uh, social communication and emotional regulation difficulties. Uh, It was developed in Australia by a psychologist called Rene Beaumont. And it's, has, I suppose, a few exciting things about it. It's evidence-based. It has this espionage theme to it uh, the secret agents uh, so the kids are the secret agents and it has all these kind of cool stuff materials uh, young people get a kit with a manual it's got all these gadgets and there's a computer uh, game that goes with it so all of that is very motivating to the young people the other thing that's special about it is uh, it's collaborative between the children parents and uh, teachers are also involved and I suppose that collaboration uh, seems to help with the transfer of skills that they're taught in the clinic and school to kind of real life situations. Uh, this particular project is a real example of a, a slow burner. One of our SLTs, uh, Deirdre McGevley, she first come across this over 10 years ago now I'd say. And uh, the first problem was how was she going to get to Australia to do the training Uh, and who was going to pay for that? But obviously that didn't happen. Um, But over the years, she just kept up the interest in it and she kept kind of agitating for funding and for training. And eventually then in 2016, um, a training came up in the UK. And so two of our SLTs did that training and Lucina funded it the next problem then was the cost of the materials to run the group because i'm telling you they get the, all these fancy gadgets and mm. uh, materials and for each child it costs at the moment it costs by 200 euro so if you have six children in a group uh, six families that's um 1200 euro mm. per group so that is prohibitive and you know, we're a public service, so we can't um, ask people to pay for that. So uh, some of the SLTs involved, they just got on with fundraising, they did all sorts of things like mini marathons. Uh, and then kind of one thing led to another, and they won some uh, money from the National Lottery, they got a grant, got a lot of help from uh, the St. John of God Foundation, and got a bursary from them. And then by 2019 we hosted a two-day training where Athleen Davey came from Australia uh, and uh, ran a training course for us and we sold places on that and uh, got more of our own clinicians trained so the groups now have been running since 2016 uh, across several of our locations and we have ongoing demand for them And I suppose, going back to your question, the success of that project, uh, you know, over several years uh, has been very rewarding for Mary and I and satisfying, I guess, Mm -hmm. managers to to watch that happen.
0: Of course, that sounds amazing. Sounds like a really great project. (laughs) Is there anything that you would say is unique about working in mental health?
2: We can't claim it as unique to mental health, Mm. but the multidisciplinary approach uh, makes working with children and adolescents with mental health difficulties special. So the Mm. the team approach is everything, really. Um, That's what we think anyway.
0: You'd mentioned earlier on working with um, different professionals and having different professionals on the team. So. What would your role be as the speech and language therapist within the multidisciplinary team?
2: Our role, well, yeah, the multidisciplinary team makes working with children and adolescents with mental health difficulties special. Um, Our role in practice involves assessment, intervention and partnership with others. As in other paediatric settings, we assess the speech, language and communication needs of children and young people we make a diagnosis and offer intervention and ongoing review as appropriate. There tends to be particular emphasis on pragmatic language or social communication, and often we discover previously unidentified language and communication difficulties. Speech and language therapists are integral members of the multidisciplinary team So we contribute to the overall team diagnosis and plan and feedback to the team regarding the nature and impact of the young person's speech language communication needs. It is important that both speech and language therapists and their colleagues consider the optimal timing of the speech and language therapy intervention within the overall team plan. Speech and language therapists and CAMs participate in regular multidisciplinary uh, meetings and audits. The HSE CAMS standard operating procedures from 2015 and the CAMS operational guidelines from 2019 suggest that each young person be allocated a key worker. And uh, speech and language therapists often take on this team role. Some speech and language therapists may possess additional training in programs such as dialectal behavior therapy, cognitive behavior therapy, and solution focused therapy that they may use as part of the team intervention. I
1: suppose our role then working on CAMs is really multifaceted and a very broad skill set is required. We tend to think of it as kind of three different areas. It's not just solely clinical, um, but we develop all these overlapping skills. So we have our specialist SLT work uh, that all of us uh, would be familiar with and includes assessment and intervention of speech language and communication needs. We then have our role as the MDT member uh, that Mary's been talking about, some joint work, assessments and intervention, meetings, audits, all that kind of thing. Um, And then as a mental health clinician, we carry out certain tasks that I suppose, pertinent to young person's mental health, mental well-being and enable the team to function effectively. Now, sometimes kind of finding the balance between those different roles can cause conflict uh, for the SLT and within teams as teams are under pressure at the Mm. moment and huge demands. And so there's often then that pressure is felt by the SLT to take on more and more kind of generic type uh, teamwork. um, And that then leads to a decrease in the amount of time spent in SLT kind of specific tasks. Mm. And I think that's true for uh, SLT and CAMs all around the country. And in 2014, ISLT actually issued a statement Uh, to clarify our role on mental health teams in an effort to to address uh, the different work practices that were happening around the country. So ISLT hold, they hold the position that working with clients who do not present with or are suspected as presenting with communication and swallowing disorders is outside the scope of practice of the SLT. So I suppose at the end of the day, SLTs are the communication experts and the only team member with the ability to um, tease out those intricacies that we had mentioned earlier between speech, language and communication and mental health difficulties.
0: Mm. And within that team then would you often find yourself carrying out say joint sessions or joint assessments with other team members like the OTs for example?
2: Uh, Yes, very frequently Andrea and at Mm -hmm. every stage of the young person's journey through our service in assessment, feedback and intervention. We may be involved in initial team assessments, i.e. SLT with another clinician and may undertake joint assessments, e.g. speech and language therapy and OT, may carry out their assessments together or specialist team assessments, e.g. if ASD is suspected, Um, then we'd be involved in ADOS or ADIR with other multidisciplinary team members. So as
1: well as assessment, intervention sessions are also often undertaken with our MDT colleagues. And we do things like feedback and review and goal setting with the young person and their families. Then in collaboration with team colleagues, we may be involved in uh, providing various uh, training programs, workshops uh, and interventions um, they could be for the young person themselves and um, for their parents, uh, for educators. I could give you a few examples of programs that are being run just at the moment the, to uh, ADHD workshop, which is for parents, so different members of the team. Uh, do sessions on things like medication and uh, communication, obviously sensory Mm -hmm. strategies, all that kind of stuff. Uh, We have an ASCEND program um, that, uh, again, it's a parent training program that was developed uh, mainly for children with ASD, which is kind of similar to our ADHD workshop. Uh, And we should really point out that uh, CAMS, children with ASD, Uh, can only come to be seen in CAMS if they have some comorbid uh, uh, difficulty, uh, mental health difficulty. Uh, So any children who have ASD that we would see would maybe have ADHD or anxiety, uh, something else along with that. Uh, other kind of groups we do uh, with our colleagues our teen colleagues would be school transition programs maybe for young people moving from primary to secondary school study skills courses and we do uh, decider skills which teaches CBT and DBT informed skills to teenagers that have poor maladaptive responses to kind of life stressors and um, and we also uh, are part of of sometimes part of DBT um, groups, which is as a parenting group for children and teenagers at risk of self-harm.
0: So I suppose like everything else this year with COVID and lockdowns, um, how has your job been impacted by all of this madness that we find ourselves in?
2: Yeah, massively, Andrea. You know, we had our last face-to-face speech and language therapy department meeting on Thursday the 12th of March last year. Uh, The Taoiseach's speech from the U.S. was broadcast during our coffee break. We have not been able to come together again in the same room as groups since. The Gina Clinic has remained open for business throughout, and we are deemed an essential service. So we have, of course, made very significant changes to how we do our business. Because the footfall in the clinic buildings had to be reduced, speech and language therapists very quickly had to scale up in telepractice. We find that it was possible to offer many of our interventions by telephone and video conferencing. We have been using Zoom to provide both individual and group appointments. Examples include uh, groups that target social communication, relationship and friendship skills for children and young people and their parents, such as SAS that we have mentioned, and PEERS, a program developed at UCLA for teenagers developmental language disorder workshops for teenagers, selective mutism workshops for parents and teachers. And two of our speech and language therapists recently had a paper published in the Irish Journal of Psychological Medicine on how they adapted SAS to teletherapy in response to the COVID-19 pandemic.
1: I suppose we have noticed that there are pros and cons to running um, interventions by Zoom. Uh, for example, I'm involved in a peers group that Mary mentioned there in Wicklow and less than 50% of those that we offered a place uh, to uh, uh, on that um, program took up the offer. Uh, The main reason seemed to be that uh, they were uncomfortable with using like the Zoom platform and our requirement that they would have the camera turned on. However, Of those who did sign up, um, so far we've had, and we're about halfway through the program, uh, we've had hundred percent attendance um, by the teenagers, and even when feeling unwell, um, they've still turned up, Um, and we had one parent join the a parent session from hospital one for one session, which would like being totally impossible uh, Mm. if we were doing the group face to face. Uh, Another advantage is that we can run the groups across clinics and offer our service to a wide range of clients. And for some of our clients, especially uh, down here in Wicklow and kind of South Wicklow, um, who have... You know, quite large distances to travel to the clinic and, and maybe have to take for the parents take time off work and for the young people off school uh, zoom interventions are really helpful and you know we hope that that will continue after COVID. I suppose we had a bit more difficulty when it came to assessment trying to figure out how we would do that um through telepractice and especially you know trying to administer assessments that we typically use, say, to test receptive and expressive language. Uh, So we did a bit of research um, and looked at what was available. And we found out about Pearson's Q Interactive platform, probably where it's a digital assessment technology Mm. um, where the clinician can deliver the test stimuli uh, to the child or the young person through uh, Bluetooth uh, on an iPad. So both the clinician and the young person each have an iPad. And that meant uh, that they could sit two uh, meters apart and maintain social distance and you know follow the COVID guidelines. So the problem then was the cost of both the hardware and the software, which was substantial. Uh, So then with the psychology department at Lucina, who were having a lot of the same problems as ourselves, uh, we applied for a Rethink Ireland Innovate Together grant. And we were thrilled then uh, last summer when we were awarded 30,000 euro. The award also includes a business support um, through their accelerator program, the Rethink Ireland accelerator program. So we we named the initiative, uh, the Accessible Assessment Project, and we have purchased the equipment. We had got started actually doing the assessments But that then came to a halt with the latest lockdown since Christmas, when when we went into that very um, severe restrictions. But we are hoping to get that back up and running, um, hopefully, uh, you know, within weeks rather than months. And uh, we're excited about it. Uh, And so far, the feedback has been very positive.
0: It's great to hear um, the positives of adapting, even during times that seem so negative at the moment.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, can yeah. 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 be done mm-hmm. when you know when you have to.
0: I suppose it's probably hard as an SLT to summarise, but if you could, what would a typical workday look like for you?
2: Our work is certainly very varied, with a combination of SLT team and management tasks. For example, between us today, we will attend a multidisciplinary team meeting, participate in a team audit, have a supervision meeting with an SLT colleague host a peer group for teenagers by Zoom with another SLT colleague, finalised the SOT department contribution to the Lucina Annual Report for 2020, and of course, most exciting of all, participate in our first po- podcast with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think to say we both really enjoy our job, and I suppose like many people over the past year, when so much that we took for granted was taken away, Um, we have an extra appreciation now of the importance
0: of meaningful work in the happiness of our lives. Mm. and I think that really shines true even from talking to the two of you now, you can really see how passionate you both are about it, Mm. which is what it should be, you know, so it's great to see. Thank you, Angela. (laughs) And I suppose coming from a clinical or research-based point of view, we're all striving for evidence-based practice, so... Is there any research that you both might have been involved in? Uh, Yeah,
1: we've been very lucky um, to have had several different research projects Mm -hmm. ongoing in the department. I think St. John of God Community Service has an ethos and a tradition of supporting and encouraging research. And we're very fortunate to have the guidance of a research department, uh, as well as uh, fantastic library facilities and uh, support staff we know we're very lucky. We'd mentioned there about the accessible assessment project and um, the project where we're using the Q interactive digital assessment mm. platform to carry out the language assessments. So together with the psychology department we've just been granted ethical approval for a study looking at the acceptability of the that new assessment method both to the clinicians and to the clients. We're looking forward to gathering and examining the data from that. I also mentioned there about SAS and three of our SLTs have completed an ethics um, approved research project to evaluate um, the efficiency of SAS in a CAMS population, kind of from the points of view of the children, the parents and the teachers uh, from all the different perspectives. And results have thankfully indicated that there is a statistically significant Uh, improvement uh, made in the children, both their social communication and their emotional regulation skills uh, across both home and school settings. And the other thing was that um, both parents and teachers uh, reported increased empowerment that they experienced when faced with children's aggressive behavior or high levels of emotional distress. Uh, And the other great thing was that the treatment gains were maintained six months post-intervention. And the SLTs involved in that um, research, they have presented it at a number of different forums, including the RCSLT conference uh, in Nottingham in 2019. It seems a very long time ago now when we were actually able to go overseas to
2: um, present at a conference. Mm. And then uh, Sarah and I were also involved with a project for children with ADHD. Many moons ago now, it feels like one of our, the biggest cohorts that we work with as SLTs at Lucina is children and young people with a diagnosis of ADHD. A number of years ago, together with the Department of Clinical Speech and Language Studies at TCD, we carried out a study into the communication profiles of children with ADHD attending CAMs which was published in the journal Emotional and Behavioural Difficulties in 2014. We were shocked to find that almost three quarters of the study cohort had previously undetected language difficulties, with over 70% of those having both receptive and expressive language Mm. difficulties. Another project that we've been involved in is uh, in adult mental health. So together with our colleagues in our adult services, the SLT department at Leuchina Clinic have been successful in securing ethics approval to proceed with their research project, examining the speech language and communication needs of adults in recovery from first-episode psychosis. This type of study has not been undertaken to date in Ireland. Examining the speech language communication needs of these clients will provide a unique profile of communicative functioning thereby enhancing the understanding of the intricate presentation that is first episode psychosis. It will also have practical implications for client-centered de- service delivery and will strengthen the argument for the need to close the gap between specialist SLT service provision in CAMS and AMS. We have just received the first referral to this project, so it's early days as yet.
0: And I suppose the last thing that I'd kind of like to ask you today is for anybody listening, whether that's a student or a speech and amateur therapist looking to get involved in another area, what kind of advice or what would you say to somebody that's interested in working in this area?
2: Yeah, we would say definitely come ahead and try it out. The Speech and Language Therapy Department at Luchina Clinic have an ongoing commitment to the education of students speech and language therapists. We have our closest links with the School of Clinical Speech and Language Studies at Trinity College Dublin, and one of their final year students is in placement with us at the moment. SLT in CAMS is a very interesting area. CAMS is a true example of multidisciplinary team working. Every young person and their family dynamic are different.
1: I suppose the field is just constantly changing and evolving. For example, a relatively new group for us to work with are young people who are transgender, although services are very variable um, across teams and, and across the country. We know that currently ISLT have a transgender working group who are involved in a study looking at services um, for the transgender community in Ireland and internationally. And just a week or two, also the, the final report of the steering committee on the development of HSE transgender identity services was published. Last March, just before lockdown, uh, we were privileged to host a two-day training event for SLTs working in CAMs around the country. Um, and it was led by Rachel Moore, who's a senior SLT at the National Gender Service in Lachlanstown. And out of that training, a peer support group for SLTs working in the area have evolved. So uh, in camps, there's always new things to learn and to research, um, and we would encourage anyone with an interest uh, to follow that.
2: Yeah, and a good source for further information uh, is the IASLT guidance document for speech and language therapists working in mental health, published in 2015, part of an IASLT working group that is currently reviewing and updating this document. Also, we have an excellent SIG in mental health, and new members are also welcome. And also um, another place to look if people are interested in mental health um, is a book by Caroline Diego and Irene Walsh in Trinity called Communication and Mental Health Disorders, which was recently published and will become our Bible, I'm sure. <laughs> um, and if we can be of any help, please feel free to contact us at Lucina Clinic.
1: Andrew, we also just wanted to give a mention to um, one person, to Shane Hill, who is the director of St. John of God Community Mental Health mm-hmm. Services. Um, he has uh, always been really supportive of, you know, our projects and research. He has two kind of philosophies, and um, the first is to attract and recruit the best, and he believes that starts with having students. And so many of the staff across all our disciplines have completed part of their training with us. And the second thing, he encourages innovation. And when we go to him with our genius ideas, looking for money, he doesn't have it. Um, but what he does do is he gives us permission to look elsewhere and to be creative. And um, so we appreciate the support that he has given us.
0: Of course. Um, thank you both so, so much for giving up your time today. I know myself, even as a fine year student, I learned so much about working in the area and there's so many interesting projects and research you have going on. It's yeah. just an amazing area to get involved in. So,
2: yes,
0: thank you again. It was an absolute pleasure to interview you both. Thank you, <laughs> and
2: Thank you for in- inviting us to talk. It-, it has been wonderful to talk about child and adolescent mental health and speech and language therapy uh, and our involvement in that
0: thanks for listening and remember to follow the IESLT on our social media accounts and subscribe to our newsletter for all the latest updates